Hello, and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare HIT plus RCM virtual forum. We are so excited to have you join us today for our session titled, How to Use Tech to Gain a Competitive Advantage. The pandemic accelerated digital transformation at hospitals across the U.S., and now institutions on the forefront of care delivery are using technology to deliver better outcomes and rocket the patient experience to the next level. I'm Laura Deirda with Becker's Healthcare, and I'll be your moderator for today's panel. It's my pleasure to introduce our panelists to you. We have Dr. Richard Zane, Chief Innovation Officer of UC Health and Chair of Emergency Medicine at the University of Colorado School of Medicine in Aurora. Ryan Smith, Vice President and CIO of Intermountain Healthcare in Salt Lake City. And Dr. Dean Field, Vice President of Informatics and Operations at Virginia Mason Franciscan in Inglewood, Colorado. Before we begin the panel, I wanna turn the floor over to our panelists to tell them a little bit more about their backgrounds. Ryan, let's begin with you. Hi, thanks, Laura. So um, I'm Ryan Smith, as Laura mentioned, um, Vice President and CIO at Intermountain Healthcare. We're headquartered in Salt Lake City, uh, not-for-profit integrated delivery system um, spanning you know, the state of Utah, operations in Nevada, as well as in uh, Southern Idaho. Um, I've been in post only for about six months, uh, so it was a really interesting time to, to uh, rejoin Intermountain. Um, uh, as chief information officer right in the height of, of the pandemic. Uh, prior to joining at Intermountain, I was actually an, ex an executive advisor for Health Catalyst, um, also here in Salt Lake City for a couple of years. And prior to that was chief information officer at Banner Health headquartered in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Actually uh, joined Intermountain um, back in the mid nineties and was here for nearly 20 years, served at various IT posts. Um, so, uh, you know, not, new, new to the company, but a lot has changed while I've been away and, and it's exciting to be back and to be back in the CIO, CIO role. Wonderful. Well, we're really glad to have you here, Ryan. Uh, Rich, could you go next and tell us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm Rich Zane. I'm the chair of emergency medicine at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and the chief innovation officer for UC Health. UC Health is a 11 hospital system uh, based in Colorado, uh, 35,000 employees, and we really span uh, the entirety of Colorado from north to south. Uh, we're a relatively new system, having been formed in 2012, and have become the largest system uh, in the state of Colorado. As Chief Innovation Officer, I've worked very closely with our IT team and our Chief Information Officer, and we are very fond of saying that the innovation and IT strategy are one and the same and overlap. Uh, we focus very pragmatically at the point of care, uh, looking to partner with industry to solve identifiable problems that affect healthcare. And we believe that if a solution does not exist for a problem and we partner with industry to solve this problem, then it'll be something that's reproducible across the country and scalable. And we often do strategic investments in those types of initiatives. And we really think about what the next step is. So not just for our system, but for systems number two through 3000 and have been relatively successful in using our integrated system as a validation clinical laboratory for digital and intelligence um, at the point of care. Thank you so much, Rich. We're excited to have you on the panel today as well. And Dean, could you tell us a little bit more about your system and, and your role? Absolutely, Laura, thank you. Um, as, as noted, my name is Dean Field. I'm a family, family physician by training. Um, I've been with Virginia Mason Franciscan Health for the past 20 years, and my current role is Divisional 
Vice President for Health Informatics and Operations for the past 10 years. We're an eight hospital, about 200 clinic uh, organization, uh, integrated delivery system here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, primarily in Western Washington. Our corporate headquarters are in uh, Colorado as well as in Chicago. Um, we, we've actually been using technology as, as we've grown through, through integration uh, and alignment. We've been using uh, technology as a platform to knit our organization together through our uh, inventory environments, as well as our hospitals, and also with our, with our communities. And I'm very excited to, to be present and, and talking with you all today. To have a little bit of a connection with Ryan, I'll, um, my, actually my home organization was Banner Health. I had gone through the system uh, through training and my first 10 years of uh, clinical practice were down in Phoenix. Well, fantastic. I think we're going to have a great discussion here and I'm really excited to jump in. Now, my first question I would love for all the panelists to answer, but we'll start with Ryan. What role does IT play in Intermountain's business growth strategy and development? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, our IT organization here at Intermountain Healthcare, as it relates to business development and, and growth, um, serves a, a number of different purposes. Um, you know, the way that we get involved, you know, first of all, we've got a, a fairly aggressive growth strategy out ahead of us as, as we continue to grow out in, in what I'll kind of call the, you know, eight state intermountain region. Um, and so part of that will have some inorganic uh, growth components to that. And, and so our function is really to come in and help inform from a due diligence perspective to make sure we can be involved early on as um, you know mergers and acquisitions are being considered to make sure that we can um, you know help inform um, understanding of risk of, of the target that to be acquired as well as to help inform even valuation um, of those targets based off of you know their their IT implementations and postures etc. So that's a pretty key piece. Um, a lot more work, though, is involved in after an acquisition happens, you know, to, to do all of the technology integration work. And so another thing, you know, that, that we get heavily um, involved in is really operationalizing the playbooks to, to bring, um, you know, to figure out which technologies really need to be integrated, which ones can be left alone at those um, in those target acquisitions and and. Um, how to help our caregivers, you know, in, in essence, um, be as productive as possible starting uh, day one. And we have a big, big role in IT to kind of help with what we call the Intermountain operating model, you know, to get the technology and data components um, ingested and implemented as, as rapidly as possible in, in those new acquisitions. So that's kind of on the M&A kind of technology, you know, block and tackling. Um, integration side of things. Um, beyond that, you, you know, it's things that like Rich um, talked about, which is also really partnering from an innovation perspective to look at new opportunities and, and ways that we can bring in new tools and uh, new ways of, of providing um, effective frontline care that, that can both increase quality, can lower cost, can improve our consumers and patients' experience um, with with our healthcare services and, and systems. So that's a big one. And, and you know, we have a ventures arm at Intermountain that our, our IT um, group gets pretty involved in, in, in terms of um, helping to vet um, investment opportunities, oftentimes, you know, running uh, proofs of concept or, or pilots, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, working to, you know, technologically support, um, you know, those, those venture related activities, whether they are around pilots or whether they're just pure play kind, kinds of investments. Um, so, so those are some of the things that, that 
you know, how we get pretty involved from a, a business growth and development perspective. And that's fantastic. So you're seeing whether it's on the business growth side, the M&A, having technology be a part of that before and after the organization is acquired, um, some of the patient experience things and the innovation that comes in. IT obviously has a role in that and the investments. And I know we'll talk later on in the panel about that as well. Um, Rich, are you seeing similar things on your end? Does IT play another role um, within your organization when you're thinking about business growth and development? How do you um, really fit into to the overall organization strategy? Yeah, information technology and innovation really is part and parcel of every single function of the healthcare system. There isn't a single thing that we do, whether it's quality and safety or clinical operations or business development or analytics or finance that IT is not involved in. And even though healthcare is relatively late to the game, comparative uh, comparatively to other industries, uh, we think about our industry similar as Amazon or United or any of the other industries on how we rely and integrate technology into every single thing we do. And we do not want healthcare to be the last bastion of industry where adding technology increases costs and decreases efficiency. It really has to be quite the opposite. So when we have a patient facing encounter or when we have a provider or we have a business encounter, IT is really at the small table making big decisions, understanding what the next steps are, and ideally what the next 11 steps are, making everything better for our patients, providers, employees. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I really love the way you put that in terms of technology being something that makes things more efficient and um, more cost effective versus the other way around. Uh, Dean, is there anything else that you are seeing within your organization? I would echo very much what Ryan and, and Richard have said. You know, historically, you might have or we might have considered IT as that service component in an organization that, that put desktops on, on top of your desk or, or, or updated your applications. But as, as Richard pointed out, um, IT proficiency is really a core function and, and we can't deliver on our promise around growth, development and strategy if we're not hitting on all cylinders with our IT delivery system, both infrastructure, analytics, as well as applications. So it really has become a cornerstone of performance for any healthcare organization. Got it, thank you so much, Dean. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the IT projects that have had the biggest return on investment as well for your organizations. Uh, Rich, what are the top one or two projects that you've worked on that have had the biggest return on investment? So return on investment can mean different things. The CFO thinks about it in dollars. The dean thinks about it in terms of prestige and publications and, and number of lives affected and, and everything in between. So we've had two really core initiatives that we've been working very diligently on for the last number of years. And one is really this concept of what virtual care is. And I really dislike saying telehealth or virtual health because that's not what it is. It's really technology enabled care. And we have worked extremely hard to, to break the barriers between what bricks and mortar care is and what virtual care is so that it's almost seamless and integrated. So we work very hard on what patient monitoring and remote patient monitoring both in and out of the hospital is how to integrate those devices into our IT systems and our EHR and think about how we can judiciously put intelligence or prescriptive intelligence or clinical decision support um, at the point of care to help providers make better decisions at the time of care. 
So along those lines, we recently had a deterioration project looking at um, patients that are hospitalized for signs and symptoms of sepsis. So we were able to integrate three different prescriptive analytics along with our virtual care center, look at patients across our system, and we really in six months decreased mortality from sepsis by 30%. We also not only decreased mortality by 30%, we decreased the number of false alarms in the hospital at the bedside by 180,000 alarms. So we think about that now writ large. Think about every patient everywhere, whether they're in a hospital or at home, how can we do that? How can we think about complex care at home and think about intervening or recognizing before a patient becomes symptomatic? And how can we prevent deterioration? How can we have an asthmatic child stay at home before they have to go to an emergency department or patient with heart failure recognize that they're having an exacerbation and intervene? So that is really the one of the biggest projects we've done. Um, on the other side, it's thinking about what our data looks like and how we can use it to make healthcare better. So we are very proud of having a single instance of an electronic health record that is robust. Uh, so a condition of participation with UC Health, if you wanna be a part of UC Health, you have to be a part of our EHR. It can only be that one singular instance. So by doing that, normalizing all of the data, uh, we created a a health data mart, a data center warehouse, where every piece of clinical data every night becomes normalized and placed into this data warehouse. And then we built tools on top of the warehouse so that we can mine those data to really build intelligence on top of that. So those two are probably our most impactful in terms of lives saved uh, in the last couple of years. Got it. That makes a lot of sense and is really interesting to think about both on the clinical side and the, the data side, how all of those efforts come together to make a big difference for patients. Brian, I, I wanted to ask you the same question. What are some of the projects on your end that have had the biggest return? Yeah, so you know, first of all, I totally agree with you know the, the things that Rich shared. Those are really core tenets of, of how we're trying to approach um, you know, how IT can, can really help move the needle forward from a return perspective. And I totally agree as well that, you know, that there's CFO's mechanism of, of capturing a return on investment, but also, you know, from our chief consumer officer's perspective around experience is, is really critical as, as well. And so a, a big one for us has been around our consumer digital front door efforts, uh, you know, to really engage our consumers whether those are members of our health plan, whether those are our patients or other members of the community that we interact with to, to make and really simplify their experience with our, our healthcare system and our services, you know, to make it very easy to schedule appointments, to have a lot more touchless um, capabilities of, of interacting with our services virtually, like, like Rich had mentioned as, as well, to give them you know, as broad of access as possible to their electronic health record, um, data, as well as to be able to participate in all kinds of meaningful, um, you know, self-service transactions. These things both, you know, as we've learned as consumers ourselves in other industries, whether that's, you know, banking services or, or travel or entertainment or food delivery services, whatever the case, we as consumers, we want um, to be able to serve ourselves using digital tools and, and, and mechanisms. And, and naturally in healthcare, we've been slow to this game, you know, being a, a, a service um, industry. And, and so we've got a lot of catching up to do. And as we invest in these areas and begin to really change 
and meet our consumers, uh, you know, on the playing field where whereby they want to consume our services with the way they think about it. Um, you know, that, that has huge returns, both in terms of that experience, as well as, uh, you know, longer term, really quantifiable kinds of uh, returns on investment in a more traditional sense as, as well. Um, you know, some other things that, that we're really involved in, um, like Richard said, doing a lot around supporting and enabling our clinical programs, you know, data enabled, digital enabled um, ways to help our frontline clinicians and, and providers to provide better care, you know, to have evidence-based protocols right there at their fingertips, um, you know, at the appropriate levels of alerts and alarms, et cetera. So that's a big one for us. And we're also um, have a big focus um, last year and going on to the, this year and kind of a, what I'll refer to as a crawl, walk, run um, cycle of, of intelligent automation or using, you know, RPA tools and AI wherever possible to, to really um, remove the types of mundane repetitive tasks that, that our caregivers and, and administrative workers use, uh, you know, historically have had to do themselves across the enterprise and, and making some decent investments, you know, in, in uh, you know, trying to, to automate a lot more of that as possible. I think we just did a recent um, tally and we're up to nearly 350 basically um, automation bots that we've got in place now, you know, that span uh, you, you know, consumer interaction pieces to really back office supply chain finance HR kinds of functions um, that, that, that we're working on. And, you know, it's still early from quantifiable return, but from an experience perspective, again, with our internal caregivers and, and other, um, you know, workers, we're really seeing some, some um, real big early wins. Now, over time, we'll see how that scales and everything. And that's, you know, we, last year was really our crawl phase. We were, this year, we're really trying to move into this walk phase where we're defining and, and creating what we're calling an intelligent automation center of enablement that's kind of a citizen development model for automations based off of enterprise standards, enterprise tools, and enterprise training and support, but letting departments kind of run with these tools and, and you know, working to try to quantify what gains look like, understanding what experiences look like, et cetera. And then we hope, you know, through this year, towards the end, we can kind of get more into this run where it really can extrapolate out and scale across the, the much broader organization. So those are some things, Laura, that, that we're doing um, uh, here at Intermountain Healthcare. It's really interesting to think about. I think first, you know, what you were mentioning on the digital front door and how you're um, working within your organization to improve the consumer experience. And then on the um, artificial intelligence, robotic process automation, and really making sure that you're getting um, the most out of your operations, and your systems there, and then allowing, you know, the, the people on your teams to maximize their own skills. So I think that's really interesting. Dean, I want to throw that question over to you now as well. What are some of the projects that you've been working on that have the biggest return on investment for your organization? Yeah, that's a great question, Laura. And, and Ryan had really alluded to that when he was describing Intermountain's experience with their mergers and acquisitions. We too at VM Franciscan have, have grown uh, and, and added, added uh, clinics as well as hospitals to our system over the last few years. And one of those things where we're trying to use technology is to create um, synergies across our facilities and our clinics. So we built out a mission control center. The, the purpose behind mission control, very much like NASA's Houston mission control, is to be able to create um, visual indicators for our care teams. We have a number of tiles that look at anything from care progression to 
um, discharge barriers, length of stay, observation status, borders. And, and so with this centralized team of physician, nursing and care managers, it, it acts very much like a, an eye in the sky that allows us to manage patients across our acute care footprint, as well as across our care continuum. Um, you know, Washington is a certificate of need state so that we're not easily able to add hospital beds to our system and our system runs at a 95% capacity through most of the year. So for us to improve access for our patients and improve revenue for our CFO, we have to create virtual space. So we have to effectively move our patients through our facility in an effective manner across our ge uh, geographic footprint. And, and this mission control center, very dependent on analytics and our IT infrastructure allows us to do that. We're also able to, to use that same centralized control center to deliver centralized services, whether that be patient care monitoring through virtual sitters, um, whether it be a, a virtual ICU where a limited uh, resource of intensivists are able to co cover multiple hospitals rather than have windshield time um, and or centralized um, telemetry monitoring, which decreases expense, but also improves the quality of the monitoring to our service and our system. Fantastic. Thank you so much for going through that with us. I think that centralized control system sounds like it's a has a huge advantage for you and allows you to do a lot more with your staff as well as your uh, patients. So it's exciting to hear about. Now, Dean, I want to stay with you and talk a little bit about patient experience. How are you using technology to take that patient experience to the next level? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, as Richard had stated for, for his system, um, we have tried to have our system as much as possible on a single platform, a single EHR platform. And what that does is it allows us to maximize or extract more value out of those portals, whether they be our ambulatory or inpatient portals. And, and then making sure that we push that, um, that functionality, not only in communication with our patient, but to allow um, direct scheduling, online scheduling, online medication refill protocols, um, obviously, the pandemic pushed us even beyond where um, we were comfortable with initially, but to, to do, as, as others have described, um, uh, online uh, virtual visits, Zoom visits, really becoming um, able to deliver much more care where patients are most comfortable without having to come to our facilities, wait, or expose themselves. Um, however, this last year, we've, we've tipped that and said, how do we begin to extend those services into, into our acute setting? Um, these tools have been available in the ambulatory environments for some years now, um, but we've now turned our portal on on the inpatient settings so that that patient sitting in a bed now has access to their care plan, kind of their, um, their expected activities for the course of the day in the hospitalization, as well as apps to provide entertainment and distraction. We all know that hospitals can be complex, noisy environments and having access to your clinical information is valuable, but what you really need is something to do while you're laying in the bed and staring at the ceiling tiles. So we're trying to put not only their clinical information in their hands through iPads, but also clinical entertainment as well. Fantastic, that sounds like an interesting idea and I'm sure patients appreciate that very much on the inpatient side. Uh, Ryan, I wanted to ask you as well, um, what are you seeing in terms of technology boosting the patient experience? What are you doing at Intermountain and how are some of the patient and consumer preferences um, making a difference on how you're thinking about that IT spend in the future? 
Yeah, perfect. Um, you know, as I, I shared, our, our consumer digital front door um, program is, is really the cornerstone, you know, to, to how we're thinking about technology really impacting our patient and consumer's experience. And, and we have a homegrown app that we call uh, My Health Plus, uh, you know, there's both a mobile uh, you know, native mobile as, as well as kind of a web um, entry point, um, you know, this, this, that cornerstone um, component. Um, but it also, you know, as I mentioned, beyond just, uh, you know, being all of those kind of traditional kind of patient portal type of services, it's also the entry point for our scheduled and unscheduled uh, virtual visits. And um, we're just getting, you know, significant traction. Um, and, and obviously COVID has done nothing but just really, uh, you know, help that to, to scale from a, um, you know, consumption perspective. But this, um, you know, next quarter we'll be introducing um, asynchronous e-visits as a capability in, inside of the, you know, My Health Plus service that's going to start with about 15 conditions that, that we deemed um, you know, would compromise or would comprise a minimally viable product approach you know, to e-visits as, as this kind of asynchronous way. And you know, it, it helps us also leverage our providers uh, you know, between visits, whether it's between physical visits in the clinics or those providers are, that are helping um, you know, with virtual visits in, in queue as well, so that they can asynchronously respond you know, to, to um, patient needs, symptoms, conditions, et cetera, through the app. Um, and as Dean mentioned, we're doing a lot around uh, what we uh, call here as virtual hospital, uh, you know, which is really remote patient monitoring, um, uh, both at home type services, um, you know, using, you know, things like monitor scales, it, it's, you know, tablets and technology that can have uh, lower acuity patients be monitored from home that historically would have been in the hospital or maybe, you know, spend the first day or two in the hospital, but are then discharged to our virtual hospital program where they can continue remote monitoring that then frees up you know, beds for more, you know, higher acuity patients, et cetera. That helps us bend the cost curve as well as, uh, you know, we're absolutely finding patients and family members of these patients um, really appreciate, you know, this, this remote patient monitoring type of capability. As Dean also mentioned, you know, we're, we're doing um, in-facility, in-hospital uh, patient monitoring as well using um, some of these same tools, you know, to watch for, uh, you know, patients that historically needed a sitter uh, as, as really a one-to-one -one kind of a ratio, uh, you know, that were at elevated risk um, or for things like falls, et cetera, that now, you know, we, we're seeing ratios of, you know, uh, 12 patients to, to one caregiver that, that can now be a virtual sitter. So these things, again, um, you know, we, we think increase the patient's experience, they lower cost, and, and we've got a really concerted effort to look at how we can bend the cost curve in healthcare so that we can make healthcare more affordable for, for every American citizen. Um, and, and we're real believers in that, enough that that's really driving uh, you, you know, our, our uh, new market type growth strategies and how we're thinking about things. And so those are just a few of the things that, um, you know, of how we're using technology to kind of elevate that patient experience and to, and to take it to the next level. Fantastic. So looking at the patient experience, whether it's the digital front door, the hospital at home, some of the virtual care options, it seems like there are a lot of ways that technology can really make a big difference today um, for the patient experience and, and track them to um, you, your institutions. Now, Rich, I wanted to get your perspective as well from the innovation side. When you're thinking 
forces that have combined over the past year, especially, but then will likely continue in the future. Um, how are you seeing some of these patient demands or, or consumer preferences really making a difference on um, how you're thinking about the patient experience going forward? Oh, I think you're on mute. I'm sorry. Uh, I think you'll find it to be very defining and similar to what Ryan and Dean mentioned, you'll find all of our three systems um, at different phases and stages of development, thinking about things in similar ways. And I think that's why you brought us all together. Um, we have guiding principles around how we bring IT and innovation forward when we think about making better decisions in healthcare. And that can be better decisions for an executive. It can be better decisions for a provider and better decisions for a patient. And when you think about what patients want or need out of healthcare, we try and not make a distinction between what patients or consumers want in general. So they want seamless access. They want it to be frictionless. They want it to be easy and they want it to be in one place. So when we think about clinical decision support for a provider, we say we can't expect a provider to go to different platforms or different workflows. Same thing for a patient. When we think about providers, we say it has to be fewer clicks and not more clicks. It has to be the path of least resistance. It has to be easier instead of harder. The same exact thing for a patient. It simply has to be intuitive and easy. And the other thing is it has to be bulletproof right. It can't be wrong. So. It might be okay if Google Maps tells you to take a right instead of a left and it becomes obvious, that's not okay with healthcare. So we add that bulletproof life, bulletproof right to our guiding principles uh, so that we can really have fidelity. So our patients can have fidelity in their experience, fidelity in their access, fidelity in their quality, and they know that we are there all the time. And that's really the guiding principles for us. Fantastic. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up the panel, I have one more question for all of our panelists. Um, and I would like to begin with Dean. How will you give your, um, or excuse me, how will technology give your organization a competitive advantage in the next five years? Yeah, I, I, think, as, I think as we discussed uh, at, at the opening, I mean, technology has really become a, a cornerstone of, of operations. You know, there's there's really a disservice when we think of applications and electronic health records um, in, in that vocabulary because they're more than just di uh, dusty digital records buried away in a, uh, in a basement. Um, uh, as Richard and Ryan has pointed out, um, you know, they really become a, a resource of data um, that can drive decision making, um, both clinical and operational. And, and as an organization, your IT infrastructure, the applications, the digital database, um, really becomes the, the operational and clinical neural network of your organization. Um, everything from patient access, patient outreach, clinical care delivery, um, you know, patient billing, uh, care gap closure, uh, contract management, and revenue receipt, um, as well as reporting on all of those things. So, um, you know, IT, the infrastructure, the applications, it becomes a core element um, and it, it is absolutely cornerstone to all of our future strategic and, and, and development uh, going forward, whether it's a one year, three year or five year plan. So I think most importantly is it's just having senior leadership have an understanding of the value and the importance of the technology, the visualization of the data set and, and that 
that the applications that our systems depend on will really uh, drive our future performance and, and our interaction with patients and our com the communities we serve. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Rich, what, what's your perspective here? How do you think you'll be investing in technology that will give you a competitive advantage in the next five years? Uh, Blockbuster and Barnes and Noble. Right? Those are the two things I can say. Blockbuster, Barnes and Noble. Um, there's no other way to describe how not investing in healthcare, is, not inv investing in information technology and IT is going to leave healthcare. Uh, we are going to evolve where they're going to be have and have nots. And there is not going to be the tolerance in United States healthcare for inefficiency, for huge burdensome costs. The way to get from where we are to where we need to be is by investing in technology. And if you have any doubt in that, think about the last time you went into a bank versus used your, your smartphone or an ATM. Think about the last time you went to a Blockbuster or think about the last time you went to a Barnes and Noble and there's nothing left to say. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. It really gives you a lot to think about. And Ryan, I would like to hear from you before we wrap up here. Yeah, thanks. So I, I think Dean and Rich really summed that up well there at the end. But, uh, you know, for me, it really boils down to what I'd refer to how I think about the promise of digital in, in the first place, um, really spanning all audiences, whether we're talking about our consumers that consume healthcare services like patients or members um, or, you know, other community members or our providers or our workforce members, et cetera. But in essence, our customers' ability, you know, to access all relevant health and care and other administrative services anytime, you know, day or night from the device of their choosing, virtually from anywhere on, on the planet, connected or not connected. Um, and, and raising the bar in terms of that experience. I, I really think that's you know, the promise we all need to deliver on here in this industry over the next five years. And if we do that, we're going to have caregivers that are far less burned out. We're going to have customers and consumers that are far more engaged in their own healthcare. We're going to reduce uh, you know, healthcare costs. We're going to increase quality. Um, all the things that you know, make up kind of that trifecta you know, of, of, of healthcare, in this country as we think forward. So um, yeah, you know, IT, uh, just like Rich said, is going to be a, a huge part of, of really enabling this future of healthcare. Well, Ryan, Dean, Rich, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a fascinating discussion and we look forward to continuing it in the future. Thank you. Thank you.